0: You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke,
1: the real estate investor's resource.
0: Our guest today spent years working towards her PhD, but once she got it, she realized it wasn't really what she wanted. She and her husband shifted gears and focused on how to build a portfolio with real estate. Five years later, they have met their goals with babies and properties and are looking forward to planning the next five years. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Kim Hopkins and her husband, Ben, own and manage more than 350,000 square feet of industrial properties in Oregon, Washington, Utah, Texas, and Arizona. And Kim's here with us on The Real Wealth Show to tell us how she did it. So welcome, Kim.
1: Hi, Kathy. Thank you for having me.
0: It's great to have you here. I was happy to meet you, I think, at the best ever. Is that...
1: Yes, I mean, not to uh, toot my own horn, but I did give you a granola bar, just saying. Did.
0: <laughs> Rich was going on stage, and we hadn't had breakfast, and I was hungry, and you handed me, and he didn't eat it. I ate it for him, so you know, it all worked <laughs> out, <laughs> but I'll, I'll never forget, because you I think you were dancing to our show intro or something. <laughs> yes,
1: I was. It reminded me of that scene from Dirty Dancing, where she says, I carried a watermelon. I said, oh, I brought you a granola bar.
0: well I am very curious as I am with all of our guests as to what you were doing before real estate what made you choose it and what you're doing now so what were you doing before
1: Sure. So uh, I never really had a passion growing up. I said that, you know, fashion ate my passion. I just kind of liked building things, but I didn't really know what. So um, I went to school with no particular idea for what I wanted to major in. And I ended up actually majoring in math. Um, wow. Yeah. So it, it's not nearly as, as admirable as it sounds. You only had to show up for the tests. <laughs> and you didn't have to turn in your homework. So that kind of fit my MO in college. I went to school in Santa Barbara, which I'm sure you're familiar with.
0: Uh, absolutely. And that's the same story I hear from my kids.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was more focused on sunshine. And, you know, the motto is five years, five bikes. So yeah, managed to pull it off in four. But
0: <laughs> Perfect.
1: Yeah. So I got a degree in math. And I still, there was no business degree there at the time. And I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, so uh, I was encouraged by my math professor to keep going going. And so that's what I did. I kept going. My husband and I then boyfriend applied to grad schools and I ended up going to the University of Texas at Austin and I ended up getting a PhD in mathematics.
0: Wow. Um, yeah.
1: So So you did
0: study in Austin then?
1: (laughs) Uh, Yes, I did. I did study. I did apply myself eventually. But, you know, I always had that negotiation skill set in my back pocket. I would uh, negotiate with the teachers to do take-home tests instead of in-person tests because that was too much pressure for me and you know things like that so oh, boy, uh, <laughs> was always a negotiator
0: <laughs> very good um, um, because there's stuff to do in Austin as well I'm sure yeah there's was. lots
1: of stuff to do and also grad students are kind of like college students who are advanced at the college party part but you know oh. Yeah, so there yeah. was flip cup championships and things.
0: Okay, like. you had to you had to hone those skills as well. Yes,
1: I had to hone <laughs> those skills as well. Um, so so yeah, we got uh, I got a PhD in math. My husband, who's now my business partner, got a PhD in microbiology, and uh, then we after that we ended up applying to uh, professor positions because that's. What you do? That's the next step, mm-hmm. and so we applied to I think like 103 different universities, and it included things overseas, um, ETH in Zurich, McGill in Canada. I guess that's not overseas, but McGill, um, all over the place, and we landed at UCLA. So your stomping grounds, kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we ended up at professors at UCLA. And shortly after I got there, I kind of realized that my ladder was leaning against the wrong building. Ooh. Yeah. It's a hard
0: lesson when you spend a lot of years.
1: It's a hard that lesson. ladder. Yeah. You've been climbing that ladder and not climbing other ladders. So your, your resume is not beefed up in other areas, but yeah, I, I just realized pretty much as soon as I got there that, that this wasn't the lifestyle for me. I wanted to build something. I wanted to work with people I want to do something that matters. I remember my my professor mentor said to me at some point, you know, oh, here's this book that's in German, that's 400 years old. How about you read this and see if you can find something that hasn't been proven yet? And I was just like, eh, you know?
0: Why would I do that? <laughs>
1: Why would I do that? Um, and so I decided that I didn't want to be in academia anymore shortly after I got there. And it was really tough because I had no real work experience. I had taught, but I had no normal real world job experience. Uh, And so it took me almost a year to find a job. I tried taking my PhD off my resume. I tried anything, you know, and people just wanted to put me in that research role. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then finally, I found a job listing on Craigslist for a project manager position. And I called them up and I found out that it was in the subject matter of tax credits. Mm. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Right. Could you get anything that's more boring than mathematics? (laughs) (laughs) So not once you're in real estate, then it works in your favor. Funny how those dots connect looking backwards, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I almost canceled the interview because I was like, I don't want to do tax credits. But I took the interview and it was this small office of three dudes out of downtown Los Angeles near Pershing Square. Uh, And I wasn't sure about it. I actually got a job offer at the same time for a management consulting job that paid three times as much and was much more traditional But the consulting job said that, you know, you have to do this job, this particular role for five years before you can do the next step and, you know, then you'll be evaluated, whereas the the tax credit company was a startup, and they Mm -hmm. said your opportunity is only limited by your contribution. And yeah. And so I said, I'm in. So we did Mm -hmm. R and D tax credits. We did hiring tax credits. And anyways, I ended up writing some computer software to sort of replace myself by using YouTube videos and teaching myself how to write the program in Excel. And so then they moved me up to sales. And that's where I got my, my sales experience selling tax credits. Um, and so I worked there for about seven years. And then in 2014, we read Rich dad, poor dad. Yes. Surprise, surprise. And I said to my the husband, "Life changing
0: t- book for e- life for changing."
1: People. Yeah, right. And so we read it and we looked at each other and we said, "This is what we want. This is what mm-hmm. we want to do." So we made a five-year plan, and it alternated kids and properties. It Went uh, property baby, property property baby, <laughs> <laughs> and we had a plan to replace our W-2 income with real estate. And actually, we focus in industrial real estate is our specialty. Um, and so that's what we did. We, we stuck. Well, I got to stop you
0: there. Yeah, I, I just assumed you were going to talk about uh, a single family. Cause that's how a lot of people start. How did you choose industrial?
1: So we wanted to have something where there were multiple tenants to mm-hmm. diversify our risk. Cause we were very conservative and we didn't like the idea that if you have a vacancy, you could be immediately underwater on your mortgage. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted the multi-tenant aspect but we didn't really want to fix toilets or deal with, um, you know, residents. Yeah. And so we liked the idea of a commercial space because the tenants are, you know, businesses, more businesses you know, yeah. and they're easier to deal with. They'll fix their own toilet. And if they don't pay rent, you just kick them out. You know? Yeah. So, so we liked that. And then we had to decide between, you know, industrial and office, for example, and we didn't want office because there was too much tenant improvement involved, mm-hmm. um, too much TI when you turn over the property, too much expense there. And so we really liked the idea of multi-tenant industrial because it's simple. Everyone gets uh warehouse, mostly warehouse, 80% of their unit is warehouse, small office, one bathroom. And, you know, if they're feeling really fancy, the new tenant will want a fresh coat of paint. That's about it. So. <laughs> That's how we got into that. So tell
0: me about your first purchase. It makes a lot of sense. And I do remember uh when I was dating someone, you know, long before Rich, he his family only did commercial Mm -hmm. in the Oakland area because for the same reason they didn't want to deal with with tenants. And you can kick business owners out (laughs) easier if they don't pay. Although I don't know anything about that. I'd love to hear more. Uh and that always stuck with me, but I didn't follow it. We've we've done a few industrial, but um clearly i wish i had done more when you look at the way <laughs> that's gone um because this was was this did you was there already so much growth with warehouse at that time
1: because uh, of all the no. online
0: shopping and
1: yeah it wasn't it wasn't the hot thing that it is now it was yeah. it, it in fact it was 2014 and the first property we bought was in vancouver washington and we almost didn't buy it our broker had to talk us into it because when we thought multi tenant we were thinking like five units Mm-hmm. And this one had 25.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: and yeah, and we thought, oh my goodness. And I think it was only 70% leased at the time. And so we were very nervous about that. I mean, who buys a property 70% leased for their first deal? But mm-hmm. our our agent, our broker talked us into it. He said that, you know, they're coming off, they're still coming out of 2008 and, and you know, that situation. And that the property manager was working on leasing and was going to be able to fill it up. And sure enough, by the time we closed, I think we had maybe one vacancy, but it was mostly filled. So it was a really good way to start things off, you know?
0: So how did you get the money?
1: So we honestly just lived below our means. We Mm -hmm. had good jobs, the sales job and tax credits paid well. Um, And the good good thing about being in grad school for six years Mm -hmm. is you you live like grad students in fact we've had to work very hard to push off that lifestyle you know uh, I'm still staring at my husband's 2003 Toyota foreigner outside you know so we're still working on it but
0: uh oh I still shop at Ross I understand
1: (laughs) yeah yep yeah so we live below our means um and just saved up a lot of money to be able to do it
0: okay so was it like a 20 percent down payment
1: Oh, gee, at that time, I think it was 20.
0: I wow, think it was. So impressive. Can't do that
1: anymore, you know? No.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, Okay. So yeah. then you had a baby and then you did it again?
1: Yeah. Okay. Then we had a baby. <laughs> followed um, the plan. Yep. The next property. So we kind of just followed where the market made sense. Um, and so it, Vancouver, Washington, which is right across from Portland, Oregon, if people mm-hmm. aren't aware, was already a very hot market. Yeah. And so we couldn't find anything after that. This was now 2016. And so we just kept where to go next. And we came across Salt Lake city, Utah. Mm. And yeah, love so Salt Lake. Uh-huh. I love Salt Lake, but I don't know about you, but I, cannot find anything for like ever since 2016. It's just so hot there still. It's
0: booming. Yeah. It was the one city that had more job growth during the pandemic
1: than before. Makes sense, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we found a deal there and with that deal, we really learned the importance of having a local broker. So we tried to use, this sounds funny in retrospect, but we tried to use our Vancouver agent in Salt Lake to buy the property and that, you know, we put in an offer and the seller's agent told us to go jump in a lake, (laughs) the salt lake. No, just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Um, and so I talked to a friend who said, no, 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 Kim, you need to use someone local. So we got our Vancouver agent to find someone in salt lake for us and talked to him. And immediately he said, Oh, I went to high school with the seller agent. And we got on a call with all the agents and just asked them, you know, what do you want? What's important to you? And their seller was a syndicator and he just didn't want there to be trouble. You know, He wanted yeah. it to be a smooth process and no issues. And so we assured him of that and put in a new offer. And that was our second property.
0: And have you syndicated yet?
1: So I should have said on the first property, um, we did have my parents as an investor Okay, um, and they invested 30%. But it wasn't really a syndication. They they simply got pro rata what they put in. So okay. they put in 30%, they got 30%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've done a little friends and family since then, but we really haven't focused on syndicating yet. We're actually thinking about it for this next upcoming acquisition of having just a few syndic- a few investors. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we fortunately haven't had to yet. And so we're still on the fence because we got into this for the the freedom of time as rich says work when you want on what you want with the people you love mm-hmm. and um so i don't want to i don't want to ruin that so we've been very hesitant to get into a situation where we don't have that that time freedom so we're looking at it but we're not sure yet what are your thoughts on syndication well
0: i i i'm a syndicator so i i like to do it but uh i'm just curious once you read rich dad, poor dad, you set up a plan and you seem to have followed it. So in that plan, was there sort of an end, you know, do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, is there, is there a point where you say, okay, I'm financially free, we're done now. I'm just going to do what I want and, and no more acquisition.
1: That is such a perfect question because that's actually one of the reasons I wanted to talk with you. Um, so we set out a five-year plan, and the plan was to quit our W-2 jobs, and we achieved that plan in at the end of 2018 on time and under budget. And that is exactly what I'm searching for right now. It is what is the next five-year goal? What mm-hmm. is the next five-year goal? So on one hand, I don't want to work 12-hour days. That's not what I'm interested in. But on the other hand, I don't want to retire. I want to work forever. You know, Mm -hmm. hopefully this is the the first third of my life and we'll be talking again when we're both 120. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know, Um, but I, I want something that's interesting and stimulating while also maintaining the freedom that I have right now, freedom of time and freedom of working on what you want. So to answer your question, there was a plan and now I'm kind of searching for what the next five years should be. How do you map things out?
0: Yeah, it's, it's such a good question. Well, we do, we check the plan every year, every January. Well, we do a year end wrap up every year to see how we did and then plan the next year and the next five and 10. But I, I do see this addiction pretty common with people who have far, far exceeded their original goals myself included far, yeah. like you couldn't even envision it maybe back then. Well, maybe you could. Um, and then when you get there, it's kind of like, well, now what? It's, What's next? There's always reevaluation. Um, the, the important thing, and it sounds like you're doing it, is to start with what do you want? You're like, yes. what do you really want um, your days to look like? You know, yes. so I'll ask you that. What do you want your days to look like in five years from now?
1: That's so funny. That's what I always say to my friends when they're asking me this question is I say, get it down to the day. What time do you wake up? You know, all of that. So yeah, my days, I want them to be pretty similar to what they are now and what I'm striving for right now. My focus this year is to create room for new growth opportunities and new acquisitions but at the same time to really focus on delegate and elevate really focus on delegating the things that i either don't like to do or is just not a good use of my time um, but to answer your question the ideal day is you know waking up doing a Miracle morning, some sort of meditation practice, journaling, reading, um, having some time with my kids, where hopefully at some point I'm not yelling at them to put on their socks.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, but my kid's 23 and (laughs) it takes a little while.
1: (laughs) It's a little while. We'll get there. Um, You know, and then a work day that's interesting and has interesting problems that's stimulating, you know, and then, you know, wrapping up, going to, going to CrossFit and wrapping things up, not too late, you know, picking up those kiddos at three or four and just having a, having a nice fulfilled day, you know?
0: And if you had a few extra million to spare, what would you do with it?
1: Hmm. That's a tough question, you know, because we've been, we've been trying to delegate. And as we, as we try to delegate, you try something and you think this really isn't us. So for example, in reference to what would you do with some extra money you could look at having an au pair for example Mm -hmm. you know but then we go down that route and we're just like that's not who we are you know Mm -hmm. I don't want someone sitting at my dinner table with me you know or you'd have someone come in and prep your meals well I ended up buying a meal service where the kids lunches come in the mail and my daughter was like these are gross and so she started making her lunch so (laughs) yeah you know,
0: it's travel, hard to say charity yeah. any, anything that would really just be like ah this would be just amazing
1: yeah probably travel more luxuriously you know mm-hmm. maybe bring we uh, went to a real estate conference earlier this year and they actually required that we bring a nanny with us um because our kids were too young and boy was that that a taste to something something good you know that was really <laughs> that was really amazing i kept saying to my husband wow we got dressed in the morning and our children are dressed. How did this happen? We didn't
0: do anything, you know. Amazing. So. Sometimes kids will listen to someone else more than they will to us. Yeah. Not always, but yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I it- went to uh, I went to meet another big name syndicator, and went to her house for for lunch. And she had her, her chef there. And it was like an organic chef that made this amazing salad and ceviche. And I was like, okay, okay. I have a next level. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What would you do if you had a couple extra million to spare?
0: Oh, you know, I would really, there's people in my life I'd really like to help. Yes, Whether that is, um, you know, handing money isn't usually the the best way, but to to set them up, you know, somehow helping them get a business start started or paying for education. So I think I live with that guilt of uh, having such a great life sometimes, you know, yeah. um, and just wanting to help people that uh, I, I know what it feels like to to struggle. And so that would be one. Um, definitely love the idea of more travel. And I understand, I, you know, it, I don't even know this is embarrassing and I'm saying it on this podcast, but Rich and I haven't really had a second honeymoon. Like we, <laughs> we travel, but it'll be like weekends, but like a two week honeymoon where yeah. we're just unplugged. Yes, I haven't done that since our 20 our 25 year ago honeymoon. So something like that, like really being able to unplug because we still sort of check in to yes. make sure everything's okay. Um, so yeah, that,
1: yeah, there's so much. Yeah. Well, it's funny you bring up the helping people, you know, because that's actually one of the main reasons I'm considering syndicating is because Mm -hmm. I want to go, I want to go deep rather than wide right now in this season of my life. I want to work with my friends and people I love, and I want to help my friends and people I love, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we've done a lot of that just casually with our friends. We've pretty much um, gotten all our friends to leave LA. Sorry, no offense.
0: (laughs) I completely understand. (laughs)
1: The last, the last one just moved to Nashville and we've gotten a lot of our friends to invest in real estate. So that's, that is something it's funny because a lot of the things I would do don't really involve the money. It more involves, like you said, the time freedom and being able to help your friends, you know?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. Okay. Now you had mentioned that there were some ideas you had for this changing market. Now, a lot of our listeners in, are in the residential part of real estate, but I'm yes. sure there's all kinds, but what? how are you preparing for these changing times? Do you think it'll affect your por- portfolio at all?
1: Well, that's part of it. So I'll just kind of go through what I'm doing to prepare. So the first thing on my list is to work on building our network. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't just include, you know, Casual relationships includes, like I said, going deep rather than wide. So that includes working more with our friends, hiring our friends, you know, things like that. Um, and then just also building your local network, whether it's neighbors or local groups, and just making sure that, you know, it used to be, we, we used to grow up in villages and surrounded by help. And I don't know about you, but we don't have grandparent help or anything like that, or parental help, and or we don't have a lot of family nearby. so building that network locally of people who have your back and and you have theirs. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of the first step. And then that also includes more of a national network. So going to conferences, talking to people, you know, on Mm -hmm. on podcasts and online presence, that kind of thing. So that's the first thing um, is to get out there. And then the second area would be wealth preservation. So I kind of include two categories in this wealth and bodily health preservation. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first step there is education, you know, Mm -hmm. which is why I listen to your news podcast all the time um, to make sure to stay on top of things because you don't want to be preparing for something that isn't where the the current's going, you know, so staying educated um, and then bodily wealth. So mm-hmm. staying healthy. I know you and Rich are super into that as well. I'm part of CrossFit. It's a cult. You should join. <laughs> <laughs> rich Rich
0: is part of the cult.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, perfect. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, and so body body health uh, and then also mental health. You know, I talked earlier about having a morning routine, having that kind of meditation practice where you're checking in, going on walks in nature, that kind of thing. And um, And then also a little bit of of preparation, just making sure that that you're prepared in case something does happen, in case there is any food shortage or something like that. You know, let's just say my husband's been really enjoying Sportsman Warehouse. Leave it at that. Um, And then the the monetary wealth preservation, um, that is to your point, evaluating our portfolio for risk and kind of two levels of risk, vacancy risk. Uh, and just seeing how much vacancy can we tolerate there, and then just also leverage and seeing how levered you are and looking into that, seeing if you need more reserves, things like that. Um, and then the other thing, just a side note on monetary wealth preservation, I also have just to take advantage of the last year of bonus depreciation because yes. I, I keep, you know, you, we're all so focused on growth, 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 and then you forget, oh, my biggest expense was taxes. So,
0: yeah. Hundred percent. This is the year to go for it. Uh, so talk to your CPA for sure to find out how you can get that bonus depreciation because you can get it on all kinds of things. It's and and this right. is, this is the year because you can start getting deals now too. I mean, I yeah. just got an email from someone who said they were able to negotiate an apartment they're they're buying. They negotiated it down by twelve million dollars. So wow. can, can you imagine the seller?
1: <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, It's incredible.
0: So there's opportunity out there for sure.
1: Yeah, that's encouraging too. Um, And that leads to the, so the next category is just creating growth opportunities. Um, For us, we started with our lenders and really trying to discuss where they think things are headed, what they think is gonna happen with the credit market. I'd be curious to hear what you've heard as well. Um, Our lender didn't actually think the credit market would tighten too much, but he did say that the loan to value is going down a bit. Mm -hmm. And that the um, debt service coverage ratio is pretty conservative right now. Have you heard something similar? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, So we're talking with our lenders and just nurturing those existing relationships, um, but then also looking at alternative lending sources. So we're looking at uh, lines of credit on our existing portfolio. And we're even looking at some HELOCs on some of the single family. We have a couple single family as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that if credit markets do tighten, we're able to pull on that, I think, a little bit more easily.
0: Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Any more?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, just so in terms of the growth opportunity, increasing deal flow. So, really going back through all those brokers, that's actually what I'm doing this morning is just going through our list of brokers and reaching out to them, um, property managers, lawyers, things like that. Um, and then my last category is just what I mentioned earlier, delegate and elevate. So really trying to get things off your plate that are not a good use of your time or that you're not good at. And my favorite category that I keep forgetting is don't do it. So you have the categories of do it, don't do it, delegate it. And a lot of it just doesn't need to be done. So. It's so
0: true. <laughs> now, that's a strategic coaching. Did you do strategic coach?
1: Oh, well, that's so funny. You brought that up. I, I just signed up. I'm going okay. in August. Have you done it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, do you
1: and,
0: like it? Oh yeah! Okay, I mean, good. Dan Sullivan. How do you <laughs>
1: how do you not love him?
0: Uh, yeah. But you know, the delegate and elevate is it is a really great exercise to look at. You know what what do you love to do and what do you hate to do? And when people are thinking about retiring, they're thinking you know it's because I hate to do these things. Well, then have someone else do them. And I yeah. mean, just a little example is you know the the bookkeeping. You know, it's, yes, I can do it. I don't love it, but you know what? There's people who love it. And so that was a big game changer. Of course, it was our first hire and, uh, and still, oh my gosh, probably 15, 17 17 years later, she's still doing it and still loves it and totally owns it and knows more about our finances than we do at this point. Yeah. Uh,
1: That's exactly where we started too. And with strategic coach, I, so the reason I signed up for the program is I was listening to who, not how which is Mm -hmm. a great book. Another great book. Mm -hmm. Yep. I was listening to it while I was skiing in January Mm -hmm. and I'm like, this is, this is such a good book. And then every time I went to go do something, I would get mad at myself because I understood I was supposed to find who, not how, but I was having trouble executing, you know, like the Mm -hmm. bookkeeping made sense, but then the next level I was like, well, how do I actually outsource this? And so that's how I ended up signing up for strategic coach. And, um, I'm super excited for that.
0: Oh, awesome. Yeah. Okay, well you have been a great inspiration to everyone listening as far as the taking care of your body. I just did a talk on this uh, my first talk at the investor conference and oh yeah Yeah. Yeah. About really self-care. And right after that, I, I actually started this cleanse that Kiyosaki did that he, he, if you look at him (laughs) recently, he looks amazing. Um, you know, he's lost weight and you know, he, he looks great. So it's this, it's this cleanse called ultra healthy human. And it's basically just lots of vegetables and a little bit Uh of meat, but lots of veggies and, uh, and a smoothie. And, you know, 10 days later, I have no cravings for sugar or coffee or alcohol or anything just completely gone. Investing in our bodies is probably the most important thing we can do because when we do, our minds get clear too.
1: Yes, absolutely. i I'm really into that as well. I'm a big fan of the keto diet.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and I've started adding some new supplements as well. And I've noticed a huge difference. Creatine has been a great one for both yeah. muscle building as well as like cognition as well. But yeah, I think people don't realize that your, your body fitness is so related to your mental clarity, you know,
0: and mental that's health a, in general,
1: mental health in general. So that's yeah. a real focus for mine is like, um, you know, they say that Alzheimer's is like the the third kind of diabetes, diabetes of the brain. And you know, mm. if, if we're all planning another Dan Sullivan concept, if we're all planning to live to 156, you know, we've got yeah. to take care of our bodies and our minds. So it's a big focus for me as well.
0: Yeah, I just looked into one of our Airbnbs after the guest checked out and it was just Full of sodas and chips and candy and cookies and donuts and I just thought oh my gosh your brain fog must be intense right now <laughs> you know? and they don't even know it you know anyway um, yeah just you, what we eat is so important and truly affects our moods and our clarity and our intelligence I think
1: yep yeah. I totally agree Oh, my
0: goodness. Well, it's been such a pleasure to have you here. I think you've inspired a lot of people. And if you have any questions about syndications, definitely let me know.
1: Thank you, Kathy. It's been so great talking with you.
0: And thank you for joining me here on the Real Wealth Show. You can go to realwealthshow.com to get more in-depth information on how to build your real estate portfolio. And it's free to join. Again, that's realwealthshow.com.